right, all right. Welcome everybody back to Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. My name is Steve Weinberger. I'm the CEO of the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation, and we are joined today for a continuation of our conversation with series with our good friend Brandon Robertson and vocalist, drummer, producer, Jameson Ross. Jameson, what's up, man? What's up, y'all? How y'all doing, man? It feels good to be here. Oh, well, it feels great to have you with us. Um, I'm going to keep this pinned on you for a second while I talk a little bit about these sessions. Everyone will notice that they're muted for the courtesy of the session, but if you have questions, please use the chat feature or the raise your hand feature, and we'll get those questions to Jameson and to Brandon. And I really want to give a big shout out and thank you to the sponsors of this particular initiative blue water wealth management at steward partners and duke energy for helping to sponsor what we call the studio which is accessible at clearwaterjazz.com after these live sessions they all get archived in the studio there is a what i love about series a conversation with series general topics and then instrument specific topics that are more instructional all kinds of great stuff wonderful educators and musicians building this treasure and then if listening is your thing rather than watching you can check out the young lions jazz master virtual sessions podcast wherever you stream just type in those words and and you'll get uh uh all kinds of these sessions and other programs we do like the stop time series with frank williams great to listen to uh so check all that out i think we're up to close to five thousand total plays in just the few months that we've been doing these things so uh we know how valuable they've been to uh, band directors and students and really players of all ages and abilities so thanks for following along thank you Jameson for being a part of this today and um, I'm gonna pin Brandon here for a second and uh, make him blush a little bit Brandon has been such a special part of helping to uh, grow and build this resource over the last year and Brandon I was just looking back at some of the past sessions that we have done together and uh, we've, we've been kind of busy man yeah, sorry, you've done a lot. <laughs> uh, so, you know, if you look in the studio, you're going to find um, sessions from Brandon like, Where Do I Begin as a Professional Musician? Breathe, Relax, Focus, Simple Tools During Performance, Raising the Bar, Preparing for per Performance, How to Develop Melodic Bass Lines, Tempos and Styles, How to Develop Endurance During a Performance, Thinking Like a Horn Player from a Bass Perspective, bass how to capture a big sound playing duo performances man and it goes on and on uh, accompanying a vocalist constructing bass lines and we've got some more great ones coming up because i know we were just talking about it so let me give brandon a little brief intro brandon's going to introduce uh, jameson more formally uh, brandon robertson is an emmy nominated music director professional upright electric bassist composer and music edu educator originally from where Tampa Bay! <laughs> he completed... <laughs> 
He completed his Bachelor of Arts in Music from Florida State University in 2009 and a Master of Music and Jazz Studies in the spring of 2016. Currently, Brandon is the Director of Jazz Studies and Director of the FGCU Basketball Band at Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. In 2018, he was nominated for an Emmy Award for Best Documentary for Educational Collegiate Programs featuring the FGCU Jazz Ensemble, prominent band leader, multiple national tours, headlining at some of the top jazz venues in the country, played with all kinds of wonderful people, uh, too, and ensembles, the world-famous Count Basie Orchestra, led by director Scotty Barnhart, who, by the way, gave us some really great virtual sessions last year, yeah, uh, vocalist yeah. Carmen Bradford, Jason Marsalis, Marcus Roberts, Marty Morell, Wycliffe Gordon, the list goes on and on, and uh, check out Brandon's uh, first debut album entitled Based, B-A-S-S apostrophe D, on a true story, what was released in the fall of 2019, did really well on the charts. And it's a great album, so please check that out. And um, Brandon's also been a part of a uh, music series we started last year in 2020 leading up to the festival called the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Presents Wanderlust Music Series, outside, socially distanced, small-scale events all over the place, rooftops and urban squares and beaches. And uh, Brandon did a great rooftop show uh, with a trio uh, towards the end of last year, and he's scheduled in August to join us with his trio featuring the great Dan Miller. I think that's August 19th. So, man, we're going to have fun with Brandon this year. So, uh, guys, thank you for being part of this uh, Conversation With series. I'm going to unpin Brandon now so we go back and forth between uh, Brandon and Jameson. The stage is all yours. Okay, so first of all, as usual, you did make me blush, and because uh, you know I'm a little chocolate in the face, it's hard to see. So please don't make me do that no more, Steve. Come on, man, it hurts my cheeks. <laughs> it hurts my cheeks. But man, thank you for that introduction, and, and welcome everybody. I'm glad to see a whole bunch of familiar faces, and pretty much everybody on here I know. So I'm glad to see you all. And for today's uh, conversation. I get to join my brother from another mother, known as God for a very long time. We've gone way back to our college days when we was learning how to how to swing. We was learning the fofo. We was checking out records. We spent a lot of time in that excruciating basement. I probably could have died in that basement from how all the specials and motive was in, but we ain't gonna talk about that. <laughs> but I got I gotta have to give my man a proper introduction. So for those that don't know, Mr. Jamison Ross is a special human being. Okay. And when the first time I met him, I already knew. I was like, okay, he's different. The way he plays, the way he carried himself, just the way that he interacted with everyone at when we was at Florida State, everyone just knew. And so when he completed his degree there, and he took his talents over to New Orleans, and he finished his master's there at UNO, and he got to immerse himself into the scene, and he ended up developing something. He developed his sound. And when he won the Monk competition, there it was. The rest was history, and this man has not looked back. And when I say that he's not only been an inspiration for myself, I can also speak on behalf of our peers that know him. He's been an inspiration for them. He's inspired so many young young musicians who have tried to come up in this new generation wave. He's a two-time nominee 
producer, vocalist, drummer, composer, husband, father, brother, man, this dude, I, I, like I told you at the very beginning, he's a special human being, and I love him, man, so I want to thank him for taking the time to speak, for us, speak with us this morning. Jameson, what's up, man? How you doing, my dude? I'm doing good. I'm a little uncomfortable that in, like, you know, kind of, yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> a little shy at this moment, you know, but um, I can't complain. Well, uh, it's a Tuesday in New Orleans, Louisiana, and um, you know, we're making it happen, bro. I appreciate it. Thank you for those kind words. Glad to be here. Man, first off, I, well, I see Amina that's in the screen too, and I actually hit her up a few days ago, and I was like, you know, it is really really cold in new orleans right now y'all just going through it <laughs> yeah i was in man i went to baton rouge for valentine's day with my wife or to be honest with you like it was brutal and i had to drive back to new orleans it's kind of painful like weather you just don't think it gets that cold in new orleans but it's a weird kind of space of weather really hot right you know me from florida you know it kind of gets cold but not really you know it's like right but New Orleans actually can cold where you feel like you may need to start, you know, maybe a bubble jacket, you know, to keep you warm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it don't help too because New Orleans is literally right by the water. So, I mean, that, that don't help at all. Wet cold. <laughs> <laughs> man listen first of all it's good to see you man because it's you know during this pandemic you know as as myself and you can attest to this too we had a lot of downtime we had a lot of time to chill you know you meet you and i both family men so we got a lot of time to chill with our families you know what i'm saying get to catch up with with what was going on and sometimes we always just on the go so we don't really get to we kind of bypass some things and so what i want to ask is man what has it been like for you man like just this past year i mean i know you you still been busy like i've been i've been keeping up with you so i know you've been busy but what's it been for you um you know i'll be honest the first the first six months of the pandemic it was all about it's kind of serious you know kind of like taking it one day at a time I mean, you got to think when you get the entire the entire existence of your career, that that momentum, the artistic practice of playing music on a regular basis, when that gets mm -hmm. taken, you really do. Not you have to reassess. You almost have to like kind of follow where that space is. You know, I don't. I hate the reassess word because reassess means that something is wrong. Sometimes, like re change. No, it's not about changing. I just think you have to really, you know, uh, check where the value is and understand, oh, you know what? The value, was the value really on stage? Was it in touring? Was it in the gig? Or was it in us creating? Like, was the mm. value creating the art form, creating the music, creating the moment, creating whatever it is that we love to do? We're creatives. We're artists. And so for me, I think just understanding the value of what we had and with the amount of music that we had the ability to play on all platforms this is from the the small gig on the rooftop the elevator music gig playing a bunch of standards to you being in madison square garden all of this all of these opportunities uh they were a byproduct of us being able to create so for me uh it, it definitely i took a pause i had a family i went to tampa for a month because my wife's grandmother had passed and i almost got stuck in amsterdam because i was on a tour and I was oh, in man. 
for we were supposed to be there for two weeks, five shows all across Rotterdam. And I had to fly home emergency emergency I had to emergency like uh, abruptly fly home when Trump had the travel ban. So we flew home, you know, that was like when things got really weird because I flew home and then flew to Tampa with nothing but like a book. I didn't even have a drumsticks and drum pad with me. Oh man. Oh man. I was like literally reading with family, being dad, being son-in-laws with my in-laws. I was just family, man. Yeah. At that moment I had to really just reassess. And so it was good for me though, because I really understood the value of what it meant to create, you know, and what it really means to create. It's like, yeah, the music is a gift. The instrument is a gift. Yes. For a lot of us, it's our purpose It's what we're supposed to do with ourselves. But when you look at the real core beauty of what we had, it was a, a means by way, by way, which we create something. And so it set me up when I got back home to New Orleans, man, I just started, trying to figure it out just like everybody else it wasn't rocket science it was like okay we don't have any gigs no shows virtual shows you know i didn't even have that a lot of musicians had the virtual thing happen at the beginning of the pandemic but for me i didn't even jump into that until later i almost came home and just stayed at homeschool my daughter because she was out of school that was a big change for me that taught me a lot of patience and taught me about being diligent with doing something and like achieving a task you know and 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 so now things are starting to flower back and they're flowering back better than ever. And so I'm actually looking forward to what's to come now because I understand the value of what was taken away from me. Man, that's heavy, man. And I want to, I want to piggyback off of something with you real quick. Cause I, I went through that same experience and, and as you saw, I had started the web show last year because I too like went at a pause and then I was stuck quarantine with my kids for 75 days because <laughs> they were homeschool or for they couldn't go to daycare yeah. so i'm i'm dad i you know i had my base so i could practice but man i was playing the i real for hours and at that at that point i'm like man this is depressing and one day i just said you know what i was talking to uh i don't know if you know adam klein uh he's got a, the, the one that co-produced my record adam had um me and was on the phone and he just said man you know you should just have a conversation with some of your friends you know your musician friends and that's what gave me that idea the creative idea to start something but you said something that hit home just now is the value and and i've been saying i've i played four gigs all last week and and my hashtag i put i won't take for granted anymore because i did that and i can honestly truthfully say when i was just working constantly i was starting to get momentum the album was out i was starting like yes the festivals was coming yes and then boom and that's what the pandemic taught me was the value of wow it's more than just the music like you said it was it the stage was it the touring so i'm glad you pointed that out because a lot of i've had a lot of students who have struggled through the pandemic. They've been struggling like creatively. They've been struggling with their time management. They've struggled with just trying to figure out like, how do I make it as a musician? So I wanted to ask you like, when you graduated with your masters out of New Orleans and you became now a professional musician and I tell my students all the time, when you graduate, once you leave school, you're not a student no more. You're still a student within music but you're not a student per se as in in the field you're a colleague now you are a musician so so jameson maybe maybe touch on like 
what was that transition like for you when you because I, I believe right around that time is when the monks competition stuff was happening for you and so that that was a lot that was a big leap to come straight out of school and then you get boom that happened so yeah. what was that transition like you know it's funny because I, I like people call it a transition and i think that's a good word but i like to see it a little differently you know brandon okay. Tallahassee, i started touring with carmen lundy when i was 19 or 20. yeah that's right with the betty carter yeah, I went to Betty Carter Jazz Ahead, and, and when I went to Betty Carter, I started touring with Carmen while I was still in undergrad at Florida State. And I graduated, continued to tour while I was staying in Tallahassee back and forth to New York. And I think something that's really important about the transition from being a student or learning to touring is that the opportunities you have, they, they end up growing. They grow. And they grow, and before you know it, before you blink your eyes, you're in a professional situation to where you're actually providing for yourself playing music. And so it doesn't really happen like Quinta. It doesn't like just shift and take place. There's a mindset and a natural growth progression to your learning and then the opportunity that matches what you've learned. It's like you pass the test and then the opportunity presents itself. And if you keep passing those tests, more opportunities will pre present themselves. People talk about it all the time and as far as a career and getting yourself out there, moving to New York, moving here, moving there. No, it's not even that difficult. If you have not taken the step to move to New York, that means that there are some opportunities that you still have to conquer around you. And if you, and because it's, it's a mindset. Me moving to New Orleans was like, okay, it's time. It was almost like, okay, it's time to move to something I need to actually grow as a musician, right? I need to develop. I need, Amina is on here. Amina went back to Florida State to study and get her master's from, to me, a deep well of bass with Rodney Jordan. And to make that kind of decision to do that is an awareness of what you want to do and how you need to grow. Right. So the transition for me, the Monk competition was a big moment for me because that's when a lot of what I call the world stage platform, you know, started to even know who I was. You know, a lot of the articles that were written about me, even at the competition, was as of if I was the black sheep. Like I wasn't supposed to win the competition, you know. And so that's it just goes to show you it's not always about your position. It's like, what are you doing in your lane to to really keep yourself kind of in that forward motion you feel me it's like you know and yeah, so yeah. that is where i think the transition word is tricky because it's a natural progression i like nobody knew i was touring with carmen lundy and and then the monk competition and then all of a sudden now you realize that i've been around these festivals and opportunities it's just that nobody saw me that way so there's a perception thing that happens when it comes to career student and what you have to realize is, and this is what I'm teaching at Loyola University right now in the School of Music Industry. I'm teaching a class called Sound and Practice. That's what's up. Right. A lot of the popular music students who are already thinking about their career. Mm -hmm. So they're already thinking as professionals. Mm -hmm. So when I teach them, I'm not teaching them like a student. I'm almost like, what do you want to learn? And what I'm going to do is help you refine your style with the, the, the ancestry and the history of the music. And I say all that to say, that's what happens to your career. Your career naturally falls into a progression 
based on the the information you've learned and what your your experiences are. If you if you're not playing a lot of jazz gigs, you can't expect to go play a gig with Christian McBride next week. Like you can't think that's going to happen. You right. know, it's just, it just doesn't work that way. I remember subbing with Christian McBride. You know how I sub? I, I subbed with Christian McBride, a, f- a friend of mine, Ulysses Owens, who was actually the drummer in the band at the time. He didn't even know. I don't think he even knew that Christian McBride had called me. Christian McBride didn't even make the connection that me and Ulysses were from the same city. Oh, wow. It just <laughs> it's never always about there's a there's a natural progression that takes place based on what you are doing. Mm-hmm. So that's the focus. And I feel like the, for me, man, it just really naturally, I went to Betty Carter. When I went to Betty Carter, what I, the things that I had accumulated musically and artistically in my practice habits, my playing, my sound, my artistic approach, they made room for me in that, in that space. And Carmen called me. I didn't even have a passport when she asked me to go to Europe. I went to Europe when I was, ni- I was 19 years old. And my first tour was in Kiev, Ukraine. That was wow. like Eastern Europe. What? <laughs> you know, nineteen African American dude in college in Tallahassee, Florida, taking a flight from Jacksonville. I used to drive to Jacksonville to catch flights to go and play the gigs with Carmen because the flights were too expensive in Tallahassee. That's the kind of stuff that people don't talk about. Right. Right. Yeah. But all of those steps, all of those steps, man, they added up. I moved to New Orleans, and all of that started. I went to New Orleans because they were allowing me to keep touring while I was in college. You know. And I, I got married too. And there's a lot of perspectives about me wanting to have a family that New York didn't add up with, you know, just being honest. I, it's different for some people. But for me, I was like, no, I want to get in the car. I want to go to the grocery store. Like I was kind of backyard, you know. Right. We From the Florida boys, man. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a perspective thing that happens yeah. there where you don't really take the normal route. And that's okay. People have to realize that we need we need us in different parts of the world. Because when, when we all get to be 50 and we all got these nice situations where we're in leadership positions, I need to be like, Brandon, hey man, I need to come through this play and play this festival. You know what, Jay, man, what you doing? I need to come through here and this, you know, you know, like this is, this is Nigel. Hey, Amina, where you at? You, you still teaching in uh, Oklahoma? You know, like mm-hmm. that is where the scene is because that's what a lot of our teachers are doing. If you don't pay attention, that's what they're doing. They're calling friends. So this is where we have to change our perspective and understand the natural progression from being a real student of the music to actually having a organic career. Mm-hmm. Man, that's that's powerful. Man. And you know, it's funny. I have uh, I have two of my students on the call. Actually, three of my students on the call. One is my former student. She's in college now, USF. But I tell them all, everything you just said, I tell them that every single class. I always tell them, I say, guys, do you know some of my closest friends or the guy, the guys and girls that I went to college with at FSU? And Jameson, you can attest to this. We was at Florida State during a golden era when, like, I tell them all the time, like, all my peers are successful. But what what's beautiful about that, I'm proud of them that they've all created their own identity. And that's what's been missing in this generation. Everybody want to sound like somebody else. I think there was a, 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 I saw this clip, Robert Glasper was talking about that. And he was like, Everybody want to sound like, you know, Charlie Parker, but Bird wanted to sound like Bird. He wasn't trying to sound like everybody else. And then I also tell them that your friends, the camaraderie that you built at school, those are the people you're going to call 
So you know what I'm saying? Like I I personally, when I call uh Will to come down here two years ago with Jason to do a master class, I just picked up the phone, called him up. Jason, what you doing, man? You gonna be in Florida? Yeah, come. He said, yeah, actually I will, man. I'll come and boom. And it was, it was just like that. But I like that you said that even when you was in school, you were still thinking it. And that's what I teach. I've been teaching my students that like, guys, y'all have to think this now. Do it now because once you get out there, you can't you can't correct that. <laughs> it's like what you know. That's where your gigs come from. I mean, Barry, Barry Stevenson, Chris Patterson, uh, Barry Stevenson, Chris Patterson, Rick Lawler are three of my band members that I my first two albums were recorded with these guys, right? Then I added Corey Irvin. All of these people, you know where I met them in college. Like literally, we, Brandon, you remember? Yep, all from the college. Something I called them first, called them, and then we traveled the world for four or five years. Like literally, like toured. I didn't know that was gonna happen, you know. And so I think a lot of it too is just like not taking for granted your position that you are in now, and really focusing on the lane, you know. Like really, that's like, like you got to focus on that. So for me, I mean, I also don't want to make it like this super theoretical kind of no it's the work it's the work like all that that thing in you that strips you of your pride you have to do so and when you do it you find like on the other side that there's like a, a, a loads of opportunity waiting for you musically you know and this pandemic is bringing that home even more for everybody i mean i mean the curveball now for music bro it's not going to be the same if you think it's going to be the same as it was before oh no it's going to nah. Shit. <laughs> it's already has you know and what actually that was going I, I, i'll end my last point in a little bit but that was actually gonna i was gonna transition into that point right there what was man what's your current take on like the virtual music scene and i say virtual music scene because this is it's a digital scene now and you know we dealing with licensing issues with these different streaming platforms that you we can't live stream like we used to on Facebook or Instagram Live. They mute you or they'll like, you know, crop your video or they'll do something that's kind of like, man, you know, so what? How, how have you been able to adapt? Because, I, man, you know what I like that you do, Jay? You do these clips, but it's very, like, cinematic. So you can't really, you can't, you can't really, like, tell, like, oh, like, because you're talking, but you're playing. So it's like I can't mute you, and it's your music, but it could be, you know what I'm saying? So how you how have you found a way to adapt to this virtual world of of playing online now? You know what it is? Well, I'll tell you. Well, first off, just to kind of adapt to the virtual world, I'm gonna tell you what I one of the projects I did. This is just tell you how real it is. So I had two projects when I got back home to New Orleans. This is my way of being creative. I learned how to build sound baffles, treatment, sound treatment. So I took, I ordered some Orange Corning OC 300, I think it was 700. I ordered about 20 panels. I put polyurethane all on the edges and I wrapped them all in like burlap fabric. I turned my house into a factory for like two weeks. And the reason I did it is because I knew that where we were headed musically was going to be essential that people can record at a high level on their own. That's where we're headed. Like you're going to have to record music at a high clip. Um, not that and you're going to have to be able to create. That's the thing, too. It's not more so record, it's create. And you don't want the recording technicality to be a hindrance to what you need to create. That was my first project. Took me a while. I read a lot of research, a lot of handiwork, a lot of splinters. It was deep. And, and if you could see them, I don't know if you can see my room, but 
you can see the panel here. And I don't know if I can lift it up, you can see my crowd. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, I, right there at the top. Yeah, there's a whole, on top of me too, there's a whole cloud where I've, I've hung the panels. Long story short, this took me a while to do. I had to get on ladders and the whole nine. But I can record in this room and you'd think it was recorded at like the highest level of a studio. Here's another second thing I did. I learned DAWs, DAWs, Logic, Pro Tools, uh, whatever your choice. I prefer Pro Tools because I, when you go to the studio, that's what they're using. So I, getting into Pro Tools for me was big. And so I literally took it day by day when I didn't have anything to do. I would literally open up Pro Tools and I would go step by step and learn the quick kit until I wanted to be, I didn't want that to be a hindrance. I don't want to deal with that. That's something, these are things too, that this is modern understanding of how to utilize music technology, which to me, school should be doing way more. I think they're doing it, but we, we're, yeah, we gotta be way ahead of that curve. Cause technology, bro, it's gonna be, it's gonna be how we make music. Yeah. If you yeah. look at the way Herbie Hancock plays Oasis and these big old computers on stage, that don't tell you nothing, <laughs> bro. Herbie, he's freaking seventy-seven years old, and and he's playing with stuff that Stevie's playing a Harper G. Something's going to happen where we're going to have to shift, and it's, it's going to become a translation of the technical perspective of music and the ancestral spiritual perspective, and we're going to have to match them. That's going to happen. See, that's thinking ahead too. That's the creative being, right? The other thing is too in this virtual time, like. Uh, performance-wise, learning how to perform in front of a camera is very different from performing in front of an audience. I agree with you on that. It's weird. <laughs> and and the whole content era that we're in is really heavily driven. Like, I mean, bro, everybody's posting videos. This is tense. It's virtual shows, live shows. And so I don't think you have to feel anxiety about being a part of that community. I don't think you have to. People think you're supposed to, you know, you know, uh, keep keep up the videos, keep you know, find your lane. No, no. I actually do this. I disagree with that. What you need to do is wait until you have something truly authentic and and identifiable by you alone to say. And when you have that, all of the rest of the technical perspective of how you want to do things, the videos, performances, it's gonna come. That's one thing I've learned. I've never forced it, bro. I'm doing this right now. I had a tailspin. Well, I, I'm working on a third record right now. And I, I pretty much, I just stopped writing maybe like a week ago. And I'm about, about 14 tunes, 13, 14 tunes. And so we're going to record these tunes again. I recorded five and I'm going to record 10, five, nine or 10 more coming up this, this month. And I didn't hear no music coming to my head because it was so much information taking place when it comes to everybody was learning through virtual, I'm looking at virtual school. I'm looking at virtual concerts. I'm, I'm scrolling. I, I got all these different virtual perspectives that are not real, tangible. Right. So what happens is, and this is real, man. What happens is I literally pulled away from it almost as if I would if I was traveling, like touring the world, like having that tangible experience. And then I hit a tailspin where, where I got 15 songs, just came fast, boom, 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 boom. And when I got those 15 songs, I got my perspective on the next three years of my career. Wow. So what people have to realize is it's all connected. And if you're, not, if you're missing one, then there's probably gonna line up the other answers to your question. It's gonna like literally, and, and it happens to me every time, bro. Every time I go through a dry spell, 
every time I feel a lack of creativity, all these different things that we try to like, it's, a, it's supposed to happen. But when you overcome it, it answers a lot more questions than sometimes we're willing to admit. Mm. Sometimes you try to force those questions by just, and that's where the value comes in. When you got to realize like, what? okay, why, why? What is this? What do you want? Do you want to be respected by your peers? Do you want to be celebrated as a great drummer? Do you want to tour? Do you want to really make music? Like, which one is it? You know? Yeah. Because when you really answer that question, bro, it really starts to solve itself. And then you start to say, you know what? Okay. You know, it's like hard moments, man. And so for me, this pandemic does that to everybody. It pulls you together fast. When I realized I wanted to produce, and I realized that I had a gift of producing, one, that I was already producing, but I realized that I could not bring anyone into my home studio and, like, edit their records myself. That told me that they were working. You right. feel me? Yeah. Like, when I realized, like, that, it's just simple. It's like, you know what? Mm, I need to know how to do this. Because I don't need to actually, like, if I really want to do this, this is going to alleviate, you know, uh, a step in the process of me, you know, I can show my worth with my, my actual, like, you know, what, what what I'm doing, you know? Right, exactly. So these yeah. things happen with music, with your shedding, with what you're practicing. Um, a lot of us studying jazz, man, you know, we, we find practicing can be tedious sometimes. But I'm going to tell you like this, you know, for me, transcribing used to be very tedious. Like, it used to be a very tedious act. And, you know, Nigel's on here, man. You know, your dad, I got, I still got those books. I still got uh, books of transcriptions that I've collected for three years of, like, transcribing. It used to be very tedious. But you know something I learned about that? There's a certain kind of focus and discipline that those transcriptions taught you. And if you don't gain that, then you'll end up having the same issue in other areas of your career. Mm. And that is one of the heaviest things I realized. The heavy, heavy, that issue of focus and discipline, because they don't tell you that. Like, Leon never talked about focus and discipline. He never talked about it. He just said, yeah, man, transcribe this. And then you spend, you realize you spend six hours, three days a week sitting in front. And back then, we didn't have an amazing slowdown. You know, we was doing nothing. <laughs> We were slowing down over and over. And in fact, the Florida State Library, the music library had these, uh, these record player machines with the CDs and you can like play the song, but they had like the old school where you just rewind like a couple seconds and then stop. And I used to love those. You know why? Because you can like accurately rewind. So you didn't have to like, and it goes back too far. No, it was like, B section, solo. And transcribing, comp, and that kind of focus and attention Man, those things are basic principles to really creating up under uh, distress, creating in a pandemic. Those kind of like efforts. And a lot of times our generation, we just don't, we don't have that. We don't have that focus. Not all of us, but we don't have that. We don't know what it is to sit down. I tell my daughter all the time. I'm like, man, I'm like, Jazz, cut the TV off. You know, <laughs> I'm like, no TV. You know, we got a thing now. We started maybe two years ago. Well, we don't go to bed with TV. You know, at first we started this thing where you cut like 30 minutes of a pepper pig. And I was like, no, wait a minute. No TV at that. <laughs> right. Like, this is time where you day, you night dream, daydream, and you close your eyes and go to sleep. And I got a different child from that. The child I got from that was completely different. And the way she wakes up in the morning, the mood she's in, the, the re it's like, oh, wow, this is interesting. So now I'm like, I'll fill up the whole day without TV if I could. <laughs> Like, literally, if it gets above 30 oh, yeah. minutes, I'm like, well, well, what are we doing? You know what? Here, let's color. I'll, I'll give I'll give of myself to keep away from that. I'll say, you know what? Let's color together. 
you know? And so, a long story short, lessons that you yeah. learn in the most basic form, I feel like right now they are really being, you know, really kind of like called upon in this pandemic. And um, and and everybody's realizing it. It's not it's not that you you know know the right right or wrong way to do it, but everybody's realizing. Okay, all right. Why do I want to play music? You know, some people are switching careers, and that's not a bad thing. Because <laughs> yeah. you know the value. It's like if you know, like it's a it's a different thing. It's a, like this kind of creative space, twenty four seven. I mean, some people call it crazy. You know, some people call it like, you know, because it, it's really, it's, it's a ride. So, yeah, Brandon. Man, let me, let me, let me share a story, a story with you. Uh, and I got, and I'm gonna have my student John here just confirm with a nod because he was with me on stage when this happened, right? So when you remember when you talked about transcriptions, right? So John here does a lot of transcriptions. He transcribes a lot. He's one of my students. He's in my he's in my combo in the big band at the school. He transcribes a lot. He got a lot on this and I'm always telling him, listen man, you check out my boy James. He 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 studied with Gerald right now. You know our boy Gerald Watkins. So he yeah so you know, he, I'm getting him developed, right? And I tell him about the Florida State Cats and all this. But the one thing I'm always yelling at him is about focus. And I'm yelling at him all the time about staying focused. And he's like, all right, professor. And it kind of sometimes goes in one and not the other. He does listen. But every once in a while, he'll get like, all right. And I told him, last year we did this combo concert. And I played bass with them. And right before we went out on stage, I said, guys, when you are professional, nothing will rattle you. You go in the moment and you stay in it. You gotta be focused from the from the moment your foot touches the stage to the moment you get off and you completely off stages when you go, whew, but you stay there. So we playing this concert, we're playing So What? I do this bass intro. Bruh, let me tell you, my D string popped in the middle of the solo. Just, I hit a Roddy Joy. You remember when Roddy was playing, his bridge fell off the, it just, now, mind you, John is on stage. He see, I got three of my other students on stage seeing this. And the audience is like, okay, he probably gonna put the bass down and go get another one. I said, oh, yeah, my bass popped. And then I just kept playing. And I played the whole song, the rest of that show, with three strings. And he's sitting there just like, and, and like, this man really keep, he's really, he's playing. Do you know how hard it is to play So What without a D string? <laughs> like, that is extreme. Amina, Amina, that is extremely hard to do. But the one thing that Mr. Marty Jordan had always taught us was you need to learn your scales. You got to practice. You got to stay disciplined. I say, Roddy, why are you always making me play scales? Because it's going to be a day when you have to know how to play on them two strings. And that moment came. And what John noticed right there was he said, okay, I think I'm starting to understand why Professor Robertson is always yelling at me about staying focused. Because I tell them, professionals, even in a distressed moment, they have learned how to discipline themselves under, under extreme circumstances, which separates them from everything else. So I'm glad that you talked about that. I'm really glad that you mentioned that because a lot of young musicians kind of, they go, they bypass that step. They like, they do all these transcriptions, they listen to all these recordings, but then they forget the discipline. It's like, well, look at the time you've actually taken to learn this. That means you're learning your focus, your endurance, your mental cognitive thinking. Now you know how to think beyond what is in front of you versus what I'm telling you. Yeah, the relationship. Exactly. That's, that's where the focus really comes in handy. It's the relationship to what you're playing. 
when you understand that conversation, that's the deep level. You understand that Nicholas Payton is somebody who I talk to all the time here. And Nick is like, man, I've only done like three or four transcriptions. Like he, he talks about transcriptions like they're nothing, but you know what he, what he, what he's a high level thinker at is the relationship to music. He, right. This, I'm not trying to give you a cheat code because there's no cheat code. Right. Right. You gotta live it or you gotta learn it. One or the other. <laughs> I think you gotta do both. But <laughs> Nick would always talk about this, but what Nick would always kind of show you is that the way he was hearing the music consistently, he was living it at a high level. So the pieces of information that he would learn would be so valuable to where he would listen to anyone else. He, he would be able to listen and take in how to process their approach in music. That, that, that's, that's, that's called graduation. There's a point in your career as a musician and your progress where you graduate to where you, not that you stop doing transcriptions, but you start to be able to hear the music and hear deeply what's taking place. And when you get to that space, that is the space in which you do the transcriptions and the focus, that kind of uh, uh, exercise or just that kind of routine so that you can get to that place of hearing the music on a really high level. I'm talking about a real high relationship level. And I mean, I've been on stage. I, focus is something you deal with. I remember I got a story. I'll tell the story and then we can move on. I was in um, Paris. I never forget this. I was in Paris uh, playing, um, I think it was the Duke de Lombard. No, it was the Le Pete Le Journal, which was a weird club. I would never forget this tour. This was a weird tour. Sometimes booking agents put you on weird tours. And I was young. I was with Carmen Lundy and I'm playing, I'm in Paris. And this place had, it was like, you know, I'm not a fan of French food, but this place had really good French food. It had like some duck and I don't, I don't even really eat duck, but it was like this kind of barbecue duck. It was an interesting thing. Right. I, but I remember I was young. At the time, so I had the duck, but then I remember like, I remember this cause I went and ate at pizza hunt in Paris for the first time. It was hilarious. It was like the funniest thing, but the pizza hunt there was actually really, it was like, damn, it was pretty but Anyway. Um, which told me a lot of stories about Europe and like America. That was my whole start of like, wait a minute, what in the world are we doing? Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, sorry, I know I'm going on tangent here. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> basically, I got on stage and Carmen, I never forget this night because I'm playing and I was at Florida State, Marcus Roberts, Leon Anderson, very traditional perspective of jazz. So swing is king, okay? Uh, uh, and I never forget this moment because this changed my whole mindset on the music. Marcus would be on my behind about different concepts about swing, definition and the rise symbol, articulation and the snare drum, like all these things. Leon would also be in a certain energy at times about like understanding vocabulary and, and the way Leon would give it, he just say, keep playing, which he was right. Ultimately, Leon was right. It was the old man route. Like it was like, just keep playing. Like, Keep, keep, yep. Because what Leon didn't want to do is squash the creativity in my brain. Marcus was squashing it. Marcus was like, <laughs> oh, you need to swing. Like, no, this is how it needs to sound. He was super specific. And I got something out of that too. You can take the chicken and spit out the bones. What I got out of that is Marcus needed definition. He needed a level of clarity in my sound. Leon just wanted me to be free in the music so I can play something nobody else is playing. See what I'm saying? He wanted me to be like, yeah, like, you know, go go there, get, get, get to that thing, you know? Right, yeah, you know? yeah. 
that's how I felt from him as a teacher. So I had both sides. I get on stage. I'm in Paris. I'm still in college at Florida State. I'm playing. We're doing this tune. I got like Daryl Hall, Anthony Wanza. These are like goats. Not goats, but like, you know, they're like the Young Lions generation. They're very, right. you know, and I'm this 19 year old on stage. I'm playing and we're doing like this. And so I'm kind of like thinking Elvin, you know, maybe a little Jack, you know, kind of like vibe, right? Man. And I look at it nowadays, I think about this moment, the band was dealing. They were like, they boom, boom, boom. I mean, they were dealing, dealing. And I was being super conservative because I was playing my exercises. All of my books, I was like, in the, I was in the wheelhouse. I was doing what the right thing was to do for the moment. Right. And turned around and she said, play the bleep drums. Like, and she basically cussed me out on stage. And to speak to focus, my focus was not in the right place. Mm. This relationship, this is what I'm talking about. My focus was completely in school, big time. And she, they, and, and I remember Dell being like, yeah, come on, man, come on. Because basically the band was firing. They, they like, they, they dragging me. And I never forget that night. We played that night, three nights at the same spot. And I remember coming back on stage and just being like, you know what? I'm going to go for what I know. And I remember Daryl telling me, he's like, man, what did you, you know, how did you come into learning music? Like, did you come into learning music, like playing jazz, you know, like playing like straight ahead? He was like, man, have you checked out any other music? And I'm like, well, of course, but we're playing jazz. Right. It was like the moment where I had all these different perspectives coming in, right? This shaped me though, because I didn't lose those perspectives. What happened was it created my own sound and my identity where I said, okay, I'm going to bring aboard everything that I've learned and be authentic in the moment, you know? And ever since that day, bro, I've never held back. Like I literally go on people's gigs. When I go on somebody's gig that it's my first time, I literally like push the gas pedal on purpose. I'd rather you tell me to stop. That's the kind of confidence I try to approach the instrument with. It's like, okay, we playing this music. I, I hit the downbeat as hard as I feel like it needs to be hit. Mm -hmm. If I drag, I drag, I go. You gotta, you gotta free yourself in the music like that. That's what Charlie Parker was doing. That's what Miles was doing. That's what, 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 what Art Taylor, what all these greats, you know, Monk, they were freeing themselves in the music. They had done the homework though, to understand that, you know what? Listen, I'm not afraid of the wrong answer. I, I like, like, like we want affirmation so much that we're afraid of the criticism. Yes, take it, because that's going to help you. So if you do rush, cool. You know not to do that. <laughs> I look at every gig, it works because you get to the bandstand and the band leader's like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And they, and they're, they're actually, it's shock value. You know, they're like, one time I was playing with McBride in Miami. Uh, Chris McBride, and, and I, I only played with him twice, maybe two, it was like a three gigs I played. But the second gig we played in Pompano Beach Jazz Festival. I never forget this. And so he was playing this, uh, bump, fried pies, bump, He started swinging, and I was like, oof. And I remember that moment, and so I was kind of taken back. And so I like came in on beat four. So like, so McBride said, and I was like, ooh, I came in on four. And he was like, yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs>
it was a mistake. But these are like those interplay moments that happen where it's like, oh, so you gotta be in the music. Like you gotta be in the moment. Like, like there's no mistakes when you're in it. Bruh, I tell my students all the time, I play mind tricks on them cats, cause I be like, listen, guys, y'all be doing this stuff, right? And and sometimes my drummer do something, my horn player do something, the piano player play. And I'm like, man, hold up. He's like, professor, it ain't working. Figure it out, that's the fun part. That, that's the fun part right there. I wanna get lost in the music so I can figure out my way to get back on the track. Shoot, you you know, I, I tell them all the time, you know how many gigs I've played with drummers or piano players that are like, them, them cats in Pluto. I'm on Earth, they are in Pluto, but somehow we need to meet at Mars or, or Jupiter. We need to meet in the middle ground and then come on back. <laughs> if we're really checking out the music, and this, let me tell you something, I'll tell anybody, if you're checking, whatever you're checking out, do the research on the context. Learn about the musicians, their personalities. There's so much information out here about these people. Learn about how they were as people. Because let me tell you, if you peep game, they actually, that's a part of the music. Like, you actually having an edge to your playing that is dragging the bandstand is a part of the music. That energy of, I call it that spine, that like, edge that's a part of the music that's what i mean no offense this is why they was doing drugs man like you gotta pay attention uh kid friendly i hope we gonna we all understand but i'm not saying that you should no nah, we got it <laughs> not what i'm saying but what i am saying is man come on these people were loading up they were loading up before they played the music and we listening to it putting science to it no no they were like bruh very interesting individual. <laughs> right. And you gotta remember that. Like they have personality. They like uh, monk? Think about meeting a monk in modern day time. Could you imagine? Have you ever talked to like a Jason Moran? Like had like a long 10-minute conversation with somebody like that, like that kind of mental edginess. Like there's a there's a creative search. And granted, there's there's a I, I personally feel like there's a structure here that we have to find in modern day living of of any kind of level of morality, I think. But if you want to live on the wild side, the wild side musicians, most of them are killing. No, no, no offense to being on on the on the safe side, but bruh, I know some. Some of the craziest musicians. You need a little bit. Like you gotta have reckless. And when I say crazy, let me let me say this in a better way. You need to have some freedom to your approach. Mm -hmm. you not be afraid. I'll say that. You should not be afraid. And I think when we understand that, that's what makes bandstands pop. When that when everybody's like that, ooh, stuff happens, and it's like, oh, oh I did not expect that. It's just moving, you know? Yeah. So, and this goes with all, all all art situations too, man. I'm not even just talking about jazz, like bro. Every time the hot, even Snarky Puppy, like touring with them, bro, these guys are freaking, oh. Every night, music is way complicated and they making it even more complicated. They keep hmm. nightly, you know? So, yeah. Man, yo, Jameson, I, I, I gotta say, man, cause we getting towards the end and I wanna say, everything you just said is not only valuable, and it's not only inspiring, but it's it's so much truth and it's so it's honesty, you know, because this music is honest. And as you spoke about how our fellow pioneers, our previous pioneers before us, how they had this honesty and freedom in their music, which made them separate themselves from their from the other mu musicians in their time. 
But uh, what I want to what I want to leave is one last thing. I got to ask this because I, I do know that we have some musicians on the call here. Man, what are some good just quick practice tips that you can offer? Uh, like how you go about practicing, like when you when you sitting at the kid or when you preparing to sing, for instance, or uh when you are behind the board because that's a different practice as well being behind the board and sonically using your ears as your instrument so what are some things that some that you can share with some of the folks here on the call the first thing is going to be um yeah, some Jameson, what was the point in his life that he well he finally made it in the oh uh, play up mm, oh sorry my bad looking at the questions guys um Okay, the first thing is going to be non-musical. Just sit down somewhere 15 minutes a day and don't do nothing. <laughs> like, the first thing I'm going to say is just sit down. And when I say sit down, I mean sit down. Don't pick up a phone. Don't watch a television show. Daydream. <laughs> like, let your mind repair itself. Period. Because sometimes we, ha we have the answers to our questions, guys. But guys and girls, hey, hey, um. Hey, uh, Amina. Um, uh, we have the answers to our questions. We have the answers to our, our, our deficiencies musically, but we just don't have enough time to hear it. <laughs> we don't, we don't. Is this generation we in? We just need to sit down 15 minutes. Watch the clock. Just daydream. Think about I mean, what's going to happen is your mind is going to start to talk. You're going to start to just hear stuff. And it's going to calm you down and it's going to give you what I call a clarity and approach to what your next move is going to be. I say do it every day, every day, 15 minutes. It's easier if you do it in the morning, but if you do it in the evening time, it works, bro. It's going to be, and I say repair your mind for a reason, y'all, because you're taking so much information, bro. What? In one day? Oh, it's like, boom. And, and the paradiddle exercise that you just figured out, you can't even remember it. You can't even, uh, what was that? Like, it's the, there's an omen. I mean, for real, it's like crazy, man. It's like, it's very difficult to, to achieve this level of mastery if you don't have the brain to think it out, you know, and to kind of like process it. So that's first. The second thing is shorter increments of practicing. Those long two and three hour practice sessions, if you can't focus, chill that out. That is wasting your time. 100, all you're doing is just, yeah it's not working trust me like it, it's it's 20 minutes cut the clock on we don't even know sometimes how long 10 or 20 minutes is we don't know we don't know because we noodle we noodle we noodle that away before you know it, you was on the drums for an hour and you only spent 15 productive minutes remember that take breaks yeah. come back to it you got to be deliberate about practice it's like a gym it's like when you when you take a i went to the gym this morning and I rode my bike to the gym. I got to the gym and I, I did a set. And most times I put like myself on the timer, like 15 minute increments, you know, like 15 seconds in between. Like that kind of deliberate approach is what you should be doing and practicing. And so you have the mental side of things, but then when it comes to building the muscles of the instruments, right, of the actual instrument and your ability, that's something that you need to build in a really strategic regiment, you know? Um, the third thing is going to be listen to music. I'm going to say this again. Listen. I want, me and Amina, I love Amina. Me, me, first time I met Amina, we talked for records outside. I don't know if it's the first time I met her, but we, she first came 
uh, I don't know. We were in New Orleans somewhere. This is when we were all playing gigs and the city was booming. <laughs> and we right. talked about albums. And I remember her going from talking about some Mingus records to talking about like some 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 freaking 70s George Duke. Or like, we, we just started traveling. When you listen to music, you gain confidence about how to approach musical situations. Mm-hmm. Remember that. When you listen to music, you gain confidence. That level of, 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 of insecurity that you have in musical situations, you gain confidence. If you are listening and you have something to relate to, like understanding what it felt like to, to, to get into some monk or to get into Mingus energy. Or what does it feel like to get into more of a modern Paul Wertico vibe? Well, Chick, Bill Evans, Connie Kay, the modern jazz quintet. What is, what is that? Like, what? that's a level of sophistication that a lot of young musicians need in their plan, but nobody knows. Nobody checks that stuff out. See, like, it's a level right. of approach, placement, orchestration, big. Rhythm section players, huge. Horn players, tone, like rhythm. Basic concepts that the, the masters of the music were channeling. Sonny Wallace on a ballad. Ben Webster on the ballot, Coleman Hawkins on the ballot, like Eddie Lockjaw Davis on a blues rhythm. Like there's basic elements that we overlook because that's, that's why that 15 minutes is important because you overlook it. You don't even get a chance for it to talk to you. It's just like, oh, that's dope. <laughs> yep, that's true, man. That's that's very true. You got to, yeah. Yeah, you got to. No, I said, man, no, that's all. That's not, yeah, that's exactly. And I wanted to ask that question because I do get asked that a lot by students. Um, just, Professor, how do you practice? And I tell them, man, I, I take about 20, 30 minutes because that's really all the time I have. So I deliberately am working on strategic things. I call it areas of struggle. I only work on things that I'm struggling with. I'm not trying to sit there and play things I can already do because that's just muscle memory. I need to work on things that I can't do so I can get to that. You know what I'm saying? And building up endurance, you know, and stamina. So, man, thank you for sharing that, man. We got some questions. And, Steve, I, I, I'm going to pass it over to you. Uh, that way, if you want to go ahead and wrap it up and conclude. And I know we, they had some questions in there. So, uh, thank yeah. you, man. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, no, this has been this has been really wonderful. Thank you to the both of you. And there are a few questions here I'd love to, I'd love to throw at each of you. Uh, the first one's from John. He said he wanted to ask Jameson what was that point in Jameson's life when he felt like he finally made it as an artist? That's the first component of this question. The second is he also wanted to ask how it is to play and just be around drummers like Larnell Lewis and Sput and his experience playing with Snarky Puppy. Yeah, that's good. Um, uh, yeah, bro. What's up, John? How you doing, man? I, um, I'm still... I, I still have good days and bad days when it comes to my relevancy as an artist. That's something you'll learn. You know, some days you feel like you're climbing the mountain. Some days you feel like you got a long way to go. Some days you feel like you made it. That's a part of it. You got to manage those emotions, you know? That's that crazy stuff that people talk about with being a creative. Like, the freer you get in it, you get days, you get lows and highs, and you got to learn how to handle that. You got to embrace that. Don't be scared of it. It weakens when you embrace it. Remember that. And the older you get, 
you start to get more level of clarity of how to deal with your own emotions because you got to feel those things, bro. That comes out in the music, you know, you, you, I, don't, I don't believe in telling you, Oh no, you're not there. Or, or I've made it. If you believe any one of those, it's going to put you at a disadvantage. What you got to do is deal with the feelings and then keep going. <laughs> don't stop. Deal with the feelings, get back in the room, get back practicing, go play the gig, do it again. Like, it's just that simple. Like, you know, this music is music and any level of creativity is not made for patty cake. No, there's no, there's no, 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 no. I, I hate to say that, but it's the truth. It's like, no, come on. It's a long journey. And you may be a late bloomer. Guess what? Some people literally don't tour to that, bro. I've seen, oh my God, this, this is a story, but I'm not going to go here. Sput, Larnell, uh, these guys. So let me tell you what's funny. This was a moment for me when I, I always knew Sput. But when I met Sput and Larnell, they already knew about me. See, this is where we have a really skewered perspective. Social media really puts us in a bad spot. Because we see what we are through the lens of other people. I'm going to say that again. We, what we are through the lens of other people that it doesn't work that way and the only reason i'm bringing up about because they, these guys are my friend we got group chats like these i know these guys like personally like we're close and the way they talk we all talk about these same conversations there's like a real relationship that we have you know and when i say they knew about me it wasn't like a thing like like fans but it was like a real risk there was like a genuine respect and sometimes you don't see that. I was already climbing the ladder in my career when I met them. Like, think about it. Sput, the original drummer for Snarky Puppy, right? Larnell comes in, right? You got JT, who also plays. Imagine another drummer coming into that fold. Like, you know what I'm saying? If you really think about it, it actually makes sense. It's like, oh, like. And, and they, we're brothers, man. Like, I mean, there's a real relationship. And we talk music. And you, and you know, everybody, everybody got their own projects and different concepts. And being in a band like Snarky Puppy is one of the most humble units of people I've ever been around. That, that's why it sound like that. These cats, like, it's real. And they know the music at a high clip, you know? And the collective is growing. It's so rich. You know what I mean? So hopefully that answers your question, bro. Just think about it that way sometimes. Because... That edge can build a vibe on you, but no, nah, it's really a beautiful thing. It's a brotherhood, you know. So no, yeah. good. That's that. That's great. Thank you, Jameson. Uh, just a couple others. Hopefully, we could sneak these in before we conclude. Um, motivation from Joshua. What keeps you motivated to practice and refine, particularly in this time? I guess when shows are not as frequent because of the pandemic. Um, vision, um, tough word, right? <laughs> um, especially because it changes all the time, right? But, um, I think you have to go back to your, uh, your real reason. And I, you know, I, I there's a, there's a, something that my, my, I, well, I kind of go about it. My granddaddy said this, but you know, it's like write the vision, make it plain, right? But I'm gonna be honest. I think there should be a more methodical process to the creative, creativity process. And the methodical process needs to be, the process in which you actually sit down and, and really deal with what you really want to do with the music. Right. Cause once you figure that out, then your daily habits will reflect 
what you say out of your mouth and what you say you want to do. Now, here's the thing. Yeah, it cannot reflect. And you're just going to have to feel that emotion of not really measuring up to what you said you wanted to do. You know what I mean? So I think the first thing is ask yourself, what is the vision for my career? Create a brand promise. Create like a, a mission statement. Create like a level of clarity about what you want to do. Mine is to, well, my working one. I'll say working because it changes. So don't feel like it got to be like this big. Don't do that. But have an idea. Mine is to engage and regenerate every soul with joy. One rhythm, one song, one audience at a time. That's encompassing everything that I want to do musically, right? And that's talking about how the feeling I want to deal with. I'm, I'm dealing with like all levels of what I want to do through the music. Like take some time to just like encompass everything about you and put it out. Because when you do that, everything you'll, these moments will keep pushing you. These, the, the low moments, it'll keep, it'll keep, put it on a big old whiteboard. I got one over here on my wall. You can't see it, but it's a big old whiteboard. And bro, literally, I come in here some days, like, you got to keep seeing it because day by day, it gets hard, bro. You, you're not going to achieve, you're not going to deal with 2022 right now. So you got to be able to see it so you can remember what it is and then do what that day calls for. That's it's like a, it's a builder. It's like, oh, ooh, I'm trying to be able to play in all 12 keys. I'm trying, you know what? I need to be able to proficiently, I need to improvise in Donnelly in all 12 keys. Like, I'm thinking tangible. Don't even think tangible. This is what I need to do by the end of the year. That means what am I doing today to achieve that goal? Like that kind of, you know what I mean? Like that kind of fervor, that kind of like clarity. That's what you need to match the crazy. <laughs> you know, it, 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 that equals out to some kind of passion, but it's supposed to match. It's supposed to be both. I think so. Anyway. No, that's a great and great mission too. I love, I love that. I love the, I love the sound of that and the feel of it. Um, one more question here, and then we'll kind of do some closing remarks uh, from Nigel. He was in, interested in, in touring life while still being in school. So what was, what was that like? Bro, Nigel, I'm behind on Nigel. See, what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to call Nigel after this. I'm going to have to give him a call because, man, we've been told to get up, but my lifestyle is moving at the moment. But um, don't worry. My schedule is going to get better in 2021. I'm getting really good at it. <laughs> Minding this. But anyway, yeah, Nigel, it's good to see you, bro. I um, It was hard, bro. I lost a lot of uh, discipline during that time. No lie. I lost a lot. I know. Uh, this is why going to school was not really what the greats did. And it's a hard conversation, but it's the truth. Um, a lot of them did not enroll in a four year university. <laughs> Christian McBride himself. I don't, I mean, a lot of these cats did not complete Gregory Hutchison. They did not get the degree, maybe honorary, but they didn't. This is where, this is why I feel like, the the masters can only show you but so much in a modern generation we have to compile the the blueprint the soul of the modern music and see this is where the innovation comes in and because we have to compile and 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 really regenerate this soul of the modern music 
we got to take things and then include perspectives. I'm not telling you don't go to school. I'm not telling you that you should go to school. But what I'm telling you is keep in mind how people achieved those goals. When I say my discipline slipped, my level of lifestyle slipped when I started doing both because I couldn't do, I couldn't turn in every grade. It was just too much. I was on a high, I'm freaking, I'm touring the world. You want me to turn in a transcription assignment and, and I'm in Paris. It's hard. And I'm being very transparent with you. I didn't do it. Right. And this, it was grad school, grad school, doing graduate comps. My graduate comps pulled the life out of me. They, let me tell you something. They put, cause I was on the road and I had to do these graduate comps, but that was the only thing that I actually had to do to graduate. And I'm not saying I had to know other lessons, but those were really important. Like they were unmovable. If I did not do them, I would not graduate from grad school. So there's a discipline that you have to kick in and, and just being real, that's the balance of the new musician. So while you may have the edge of being creative and touring the world, what you're going to have to do different from what Charlie Parker and John Coltrane had to do is you're going to have to do both. And that, that, that's a goal in, in itself for you to be, it's like, it's like being an athlete and being a, a, a college athlete, you know, some guys choose to just go straight to the league. Some, some guys choose, but then some Myron Roll, go knows, you know what I'm saying? Doctor and play ball. Like, you know, I'm not saying you got to be an overachiever, but just think about the modern blueprint, bro, of where we are now in our time and what you need to kind of accumulate. You know, maybe school is not it, but maybe you start a business. Maybe you start like, you know, like you got to like, you know, like you, that's where, that's where, that's where the vision thing kind of comes in mind. And you say, okay, you know, I want a tour. Yeah. I want to go to school. Yeah. You can do both. Sure. Understand what that comes with. Yep. Hopefully that helps. No, that was a great answer. I just can't thank Brandon and Jameson enough for um, spending this time with us. It really inspiring going the extra mile this morning. We're a little bit over an hour now and um, it just means the world to us. So on behalf of the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation, Brandon Robertson, Jameson Ross, thanks for being part of the Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. And I want to encourage everybody, um, you know, check out the education and outreach section at clearwaterjazz.com. Jameson talked about taking the time to really learn about um, some of these personalities, uh, legends of this music. And when you do... Um, notice how it comes back and, and influence you and impacts your journey. Um, there's a lot of great stuff within the Young Lions sessions, but also the Stop Time series with Frank Williams has its own page. It starts with the Civil War era influences and goes through modern day comprehensive audio and visual history of jazz. You can also look at it and listen to it on the podcast. And these are little nuggets told in Frank's one-of-a-kind style, anywhere from seven minutes to 20 minutes. And he will take a deep dive into the human being and then you can uh take it further with some deeper dives as part of the young lion sessions the what i love about series and i just think if you spend the time you're going to really get a lot out of it so uh really appreciate jameson for hitting that hitting that point home pretty hard today and um keep being creative everybody out there keep playing uh keep uh, working at your vision and your dreams and jameson brandon 
This has been awesome. I hope to see you both back with us. And I know Brandon's going to be, but maybe we can twist Jameson's arm again in the future and uh, have him back with us for this uh, helping to build this wonderful treasure of information free for all students of all ages. So, again, on behalf of the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation, thank you both so much. Oh, thank you. And I, I want to say one last, two last points. Uh, first, everybody uh, who's going to watch this later, for those who are right now, please, I'm going to, like, promote the heck out of my man's album, Offer One. Please, please, please get that record. And the first one, Jameson, but his second record, that's a vibe and a half on its own. My my wife and my daughter loves that record. Like that's the only they've all, they've always told me, like your friend Jameson. He's don't I like I like hissing. See that's jazz. I like that because it's like they it's the other stuff that confuses them. And my wife is like, I, I can't follow the other. But it's like, it's so yeah. She she's like it's so passionate. And it's and it, I can fit. I'm like okay. I get that. I get that. That's why he's yeah. That's why he's. I get that. But I want everybody who's watching this, please go support that record. All of our friends from college is on that record. Uh, Mikael, the record that he just dropped. Uh, um, the one that you, the one that you produced. Michael. Michael. Kilgore. Michael. Michael Kilgore. Yes. The one that got the Grammy nomination. Please. Yes. For the state um, and he's living in New York now. So, yeah, Michael, yeah. Yeah, man. Man, it's a, Florida State, go Knows. Listen. Yeah, go Knows. <laughs> but thank you, Steve, for having us. Everyone, thank you all again for, for, for joining us. And, and Jameson, it was a pleasure. And Steve, we got to keep our Floridians back home. He's a Florida boy. Always going to be Duval 904. You know how they do. So anytime we can get Duval, Jacksonville Cats here, man, it's all love. Always love. <laughs> all, all good let's do it all right all right everybody thank for those of you participating today thanks for uh hanging with us and everyone watching and listening in the future hope you're finding good value in all these resources we're having a lot of fun producing it so take care everybody all right guys take care have a good one Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Thank you to our friends at Marine Max Clearwater for helping to present this podcast series. To learn more about the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Annual Festival tradition, other special events throughout the year, and our year-round education and outreach, please visit clearwaterjazz.com.